0: Good morning, Crown. Welcome to Deeper Life. For those of you who haven't been here before, uh, or maybe you're freshmen uh, or new faculty or staff, in the fall and in the spring, we devote a few days in each semester to look at our own spiritual life and examine it in ways that we would call a a deeper walk with the Lord. And so between now and Friday, uh, we are devoting not only this chapel, but a chapel this evening at 7 o'clock in the chapel, tomorrow morning here, and again tomorrow night in the chapel, and then Friday morning. So five times where we will have the opportunity to hear from Reverend Brian Episcopo, who is the Associate Pastor of Student Ministries at Appleton Alliance Church in Wisconsin. Okay. Okay. Reverend Episcopo uh, graduated from uh, Indiana Wesleyan University in 2008 where he met his wife Hannah and they got married in 2010 and then they answered the call to become the uh, pastor of youth ministries at uh, Appleton Alliance in 2011. Now, uh, he does like New York sports teams. Rob? Rob? He likes hiking and biking, anything outdoors, I think, running. And um, I had uh, dinner last night with Brian, and I really hadn't spent that much time with you before that. And um, here's what I really learned uh, about Brian, and that is that he really has a heart uh, for you and this generation to follow the Lord deeply. And uh, as we talked last night, um, he mentioned to me that he has a lot of people praying for this time. And not just for him, but for us here as a campus. And it's always good to know that people are praying for us at Crown College. And so I am so grateful for that. And. I know that I so enjoyed my time that we spent our time and we uh, were there long after the deck at Lola's was evacuated and people were gone and it was getting chilly. It was almost as cold as it is in here this morning before we left. And at 2 o'clock this afternoon in the, church, uh, in the uh, campus ministries area of the college on the kind of the center just off the chapel on the east wing there, From 2 to 4, you'll have a chance to have another time uh, to meet with Brian and also to talk of the campus ministries teams and so forth. There'll be games and massages and prizes and snacks and stuff. So if you have time in your schedule today, I would encourage you uh, to spend some time uh, there this afternoon. So as Brian comes to speak to us, I just encourage you, you know, God is here and people are praying And would you have ears to hear not just what Brian says, but what God might actually say to you this morning? Brian, come and share God's word with us. Join with me in welcoming Brian Episcopo. I
1: I heard you mention massages, so I don't know why anybody would come talk to me when there's massages going on. I may not even talk. I may be in the middle of a massage. I am so thrilled to be here and I'm so excited. And you need to know your president is such a strong, godly man and and just a solid leader that uh, he is not only passionate about you getting the best education you can, uh, he is so deeply passionate about you coming into a closer, more intimate walk with Jesus. We talked last night, and you could just see it was the means by which you could grow in your walk with Jesus was just through this vehicle of Crown College. And that was, that was the purpose of, that's why he gets up in the morning, and that's what your faculty. I just heard some stories about some of the people you get to go to class with every day, and they're just remarkable people. They're world class, and your degree will continue to get more valuable with every year that goes by. Here, this place, the future is so bright, and it is truly humbling uh, me to be here, and I am so excited for it. And you have to know, your president, too, is a superhero. He is, he is actually a hero. So last night, this happened. We were on this deck. We were the only ones there because it was so cold. And, um, but we're there, and, and the, the there's a boat coming in, uh, a pontoon boat docking, and uh, th- this it was a, very, a much older guy who was a lot slower, much, very old, and then a younger guy who... Um, I think it was like his son or a relative or something. And they're, they're docking the boat and the, the son, the younger guy's up kind of roping something into the trailer. And then the, the older guy is in the back of the boat. And he's trying to push it away from the dock, I think. or He's trying to push keep it away from the dock. And we're, we're watching this and at some point we just realize he's just standing like this up against the boat. And his son realizes and, and goes, hey, Pop, you okay? And he goes like this. This is exactly what he did. He goes, nope, I'm going in. <laughs> and he fell in the water right in front of us, right? And and your present, just Superman, just runs over there. And I'm like pretending like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go in too. <laughs> you know, but he goes over there. And, uh, and we're, we are standing, and the son jumped in. And he was down there a while. <laughs> he didn't come up for a while. He was there. I mean, we're <laughs> his son's under there. And I'm like, well, should the... Should all of us go down there? <laughs> and, uh, and then he, they came up and they could walk to shore. <laughs> and uh, boy, had we not been there, I don't know. I don't know what would have happened if we weren't there to watch it happen. I don't know. <laughs> so he is a hero. He's just like, give it up. It was, give it up for your present. He's just an absolute hero, yeah. Saving lives, taking names. Uh, I want to introduce a little bit of my family. We introduced uh, my wife, Hannah. This is her right here. This is, isn't she amazing? She's gorgeous. My head is too big. That's her as well. Um, she, she's not even trying. Look at that. She's just like leaning in. She's not even trying. She's so beautiful. Okay. And then the next, this is my family here. My, my dad, you can't see any of these people. Uh, that's my family. This is my niece here uh, on my, two nieces on my uh, my my wife's side. And this is my other niece, the Gerber baby, pretty much. This, isn't that crazy? That's, that's on That's on my side. That's my sister's. Um, yeah, those are some photos. Okay, uh, I'm so <laughs> excited. You, we gotta get to know each other. We're gonna be hanging out all week. So, um, I w- want to talk to you this week about the theology of and. And, and here's why I want to do it because I, I, you know Jesus is more than just one thing. Uh, our faith has a multi multiple facets to it, multiple dimensions to it. And when we can hold them in tandem in view as we live. Uh, I believe we see more clearly God. When Jesus is more than just healer, but he's also sanctifier, savior, coming king. When when Jesus is more than just Lord, he is savior as well. When we see these multiple dimensions in our faith, I believe God speaks very loudly through that and our view of him and our relationship with him uh, begin to get very clear. And I know that's ambiguous and vague, but we're going to unpack that throughout the week. And today, I want to begin with just telling you my story. I, there's not a lot of Bible verses in this. I think there's two. So if my dad watches it, just could we throw, just throw Bible verses up on the screen randomly. Just throw tons of Bible verses up there. If, uh, if any of the professors watch this later, just make sure there's lots of Bible There's only like two. But, but here's why. It's my story. You know, this is what God did in my life. It's my testimony. And uh, he spoke very loudly through his word. And I hope today that maybe uh, he speaks to you just as profoundly as he did to me in this time of my life. So before we begin, let's, let's pray and ask God to get loud in our own hearts this morning. God, I don't need to say a lot, but God, I want to take a second and just ask that you would speak in a way this morning uh, that each, each person here would have heard from you specifically um, or at least begin to feel your nudge in their heart um, this morning. Lord, I pray that you would do that. In your name we pray, Amen. So my, uh, I want to begin just my my grandma. You have to know first about my grandma. She is a super Italian woman. She is like the epitome of all that is Italian, it, it, whatever that means to you. <laughs> She's super Italian, and and she loves to cook. She loves to make stuff. And one one particular day growing up, we were in about I was in first grade. My sister was a little bit younger. Uh, She was picking me up from school. My parents were gone on a mission trip. They were away. My dad's uh, actually still a pastor. He's a pastor of the church I'm at, and he was pastoring when I was young. Away on a mission trip, she was watching us. We come home from school, and we're walking home, and we notice something unusual about the house, something that is out of the ordinary. There was smoke uh, coming through all of the windows. That doesn't normally happen. That's not a normal thing when mom and dad are home. And so we're, we're getting home, and we, she, we run up to the door, and she puts her hand on the door handle. She stops. She turns around, and she tells my sister and I to meet her in the back by the hose. And then she swings open and runs into the house and just disappears into the smoke. And so my sister and I, really young, we run around to the back of the house but to the hose. We're not sure why. And uh, so we're running, and I'm thinking, what is she going to get? There's no, we don't have a pet. You know, we don't have, there's no one in there. What is she going to say? What does grandma running into this burning house to save? So we get to the hose, we're waiting for a second, and then the screen door just explodes off the back of the house, just flies into the yard, and there comes Grandma through it with a giant black pot, a huge black, like, cooking pot. And then I realized, like, Grandma went into the house to save dinner. (laughs) To save dinner. She's like, no one loves food as much as this woman. (laughs) The house is on fire. We gotta save dinner. She had time to grab hot mitts. She put hot, she put the... Grab, and this, I know, this is a true story. She runs out, and she, she sets it down by the hose. She grabs the hose, grabs the lid, and she says the words that go down in Episcopal family lore as like the, this defines all that is grandma. She looks my sister and I <laughs> both in the eye, and with all the seriousness in the world, in her thick New York City grandma accent, she says in the raspiest voice, she goes, Now listen, if it's still good, we're going to eat it. thinking still good <laughs> if it's still good after all of that and this if it's still good we're not going to eat it that's the last thing we're going to do we're going to mount it on a wall we're going to give it a name and we're going to worship it this is what we're going to call it we synthesize a new element on the periodic table we're not going to eat it if it's still it might eat us we don't know if it's still good and so we look into this thing the smoke clears and at the bottom is this just little tiny black little pork turd it. that's all it was and it was so it was not still good at all It was not. But I'll tell you what did happen. Is we started to put boundaries around grandma in the kitchen. She was not allowed in the kitchen very often because she pretty much burned it down. And so this is what you do in life when grandma burns down the kitchen in your life, whatever that means. Whenever something gets out of control, you put boundaries around it, right? You put a framework. So when your spending gets out of control, Hopefully you put boundaries, you call mom and dad, or you put boundaries around your spending. When your time gets out of control and you have to do all the homework and you're not getting it all done or whatever you gotta do, uh, you start to try to put boundaries around the video games and stuff. Uh, when you sneak out at night after curfew, which no one does here, but if you did, it's it just, you do. I don't know, these boundaries I could put around you. When stuff gets out of control you try to put boundaries around it. And this is actually an instinct. When, when, they, when you go whitewater rafting, they tell you to keep paddling forward, but everyone does the same thing when you come up to rapids. Everyone instinctively grabs onto the raft to try to hang on, to get control. And that ends up being the very thing that flips the raft, and so this is, what I, this is what I know about you, whether, you know, regardless of where you're at, I know that this is not just true, that there may be times in your life when you don't even realize how tight your grip is on stuff until something begins to get out of control in that area. You didn't realize how hard you were holding on to it. And you might even be in the circumstance now when, when something's getting out of control and you try to grip it even tighter, it seems to even get more and more out of control. So this is what I want to wrestle with before we get into this week, before we start asking God to show up and speak in our lives. I think we need to deal with this question of control. I think we need to wrestle with with what it means when God speaks and what he how we would respond to that. So we're going to wrestle with this question today. We're going to wrestle with um what do you do? Uh, how do you know when being in control is getting out of control? Even how do you even know? Even if you're like I don't feel like anything's out of control in my life right now. Some of you do. You've had a crazy semester and and some of you are just how do I know when something is getting out of control? And th- This story begins for me when um, when I was in middle school. It was when I re- began to feel my life getting totally out of control. My parents decided to tell us we were moving from South Jersey to Wisconsin. They thought this would be great news. So they thought it was cause for celebration. Let's take them out to Chili's and tell them they're going to leave all their friends, and we're going to move to the Wisconsin Packer, Great White North. Uh, you know, Green Bay Packers, cheese, and that's it. That's all that's there. And, and they thought this would be great. And so they take us to Chili's and they tell us in pff, tears and gnashing of teeth. And my sister's like, do they even speak English in Wisconsin? The parents are like, no, not really. A little bit, somewhat. And then, and then I, we're all like, and the waitress comes over. She's like, do you guys need a minute? Whoa, okay, I'll come back tomorrow. this out It was awful. But this is what happened. And you know, if you've ever moved, this is what happens. Lunchtime in a new school is the worst, right? You just take your tray and you walk from like social circle to social circle trying to orbit the outer Outer you know planets of, of that social circle, and then trying to get in and make friends it's impossible, so this is what I did, and my life I just felt out of control. I had no say in any of this, but one day something changed. I lobbed in a comment into one of these social circles I was in. It was the cool kids you can tell you know who those people are and and I kind of sat on the outer outer rim and lobbed in a comment and it made them laugh, and they actually acknowledged I existed and and I began to learn that if I do this, if I can strategically make sure everything I say is funny, they'll acknowledge that I exist. Well, this worked for a while. I began to feel my life getting back into control. I began to be able to feel like I had friends and relationships. And then it began to shift out of control again. You see, something began to change. Uh, I as—I as, didn't have these huge rippling biceps I do now, and I wasn't as hugely strong and muscular as I am now. You know, we were friends right up until that moment. <laughs> so all of your Facebook requests this week will go completely ignored. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously. Um, <laughs> so anyway, no, I, I was. I was a scrawny little kid. And it's fine, you know, it was, it's sports and stuff. I got pushed around a little bit. And at first it wasn't a big deal, you know. I was part of just being a small guy playing sports and stuff. But but it did begin to get out of control. and And there was this time where I began to... You know, I get pushed around and, and physically get hit and stuff. And I, I remember, like, pushing back and saying, you know, hey, stop doing that. It hurts or whatever. And, and, and they responded to that, you know, really differently. they, they began to cut off the relationship when I would get upset at them and tell them to not do that. Stop pushing me around. And I felt like my relationships, again, this was such a big deal to me, but it was getting out of control. And I began to think, well, what is the only thing I know how to do to get things back into control? And so I began to cl- uh, cling even tighter to the raft, to the to the thing that was going to um, get out of control, I began to cling cling even tighter to it, and so when I when they would hit me or do stuff at recess or whatever, you know, I I I try to make a joke of it, no matter how much it hurt. You know, I try to make them laugh and and try to, you know, make it not a big deal, and I began to try to get control of this, but it began to get more and more out of control, and at at one point, I just remember like you know, coming home from school and trying to hide the, the blood on my pants because I didn't want my mom to, to see uh, this. So she'd call the school and, and get them in trouble. And, and I didn't want them to see it, so I would hide it. And, and I, would, I, would, I began to go home in, in a lot of pain every day after research. It was, it was, just, it was really out of control. And I remember thinking, this, there's nothing I can do. I can't keep making them laugh and keep living like this. This is really painful. And I began to feel like everything was just falling out of my hands. How do you know when your life or when things trying to be in control of something is getting out of control? There's a great proverb in Proverbs chapter 12. And this is it up here. Um, An anxious heart. Weighs a man down. I love this. This is the first part of this proverb. And I love, I'm so sorry that that happens. I love that this, this proverb because it's so visual for me. Uh, your heart, a part of your heart or your heart can be filled with anxiety, but it will weigh all of you down. All of you down. It, a part of your heart can be anxious or your heart itself, but it will weigh all of you. It will weigh the whole person down. How do you know when being in control is getting out of control? Is what's going on at home affecting you at school? Is what's going on in this one class affecting your other classes? Is what's going on in this one relationship starting to affect your other relationships? Is this one um, thing that you, you crave so much or you value so much starting to drive how you live in other areas of your life? Is that one thing you're worried about in that one part of your life affecting the other parts of your life? I think this is how we know when, getting out of, when something's getting out of control, that your heart is weighed down, and it's affecting your whole person, and your whole person is weighed down. I remember uh, waking up one night in um, my eighth grade year, and I, I remember waking up in the middle of the night because uh, there was blue and red flashing lights on my wall, and, uh, and I, I remember, um, you know, kind of trying to figure out, I looked out the window and, and there was an ambulance there and, and I went downstairs and I saw my mom crying and on the, at the kitchen table. And I, I asked her, I said, I said, mom, I said, why are you, why are you crying? And she said, uh. She said, you know, your dad's heart is not doing good, and he has to go to the hospital right now. Um, he's not doing good. And I went back up to my room, and I, uh, I collapsed on the floor in my room, and I just, I just began to cry. I began to cry because I realized that there was, um, there was nothing I could do. There's no joke I could tell to fix this. There was nothing I can do to make this better simply by trying to grip harder on anything that I thought I was in reach. I I could not try to um, fix my dad's heart by making him laugh, and I realized my life was out of control. I was beginning to try to deflect this pain that I was getting at recess by bullying other kids, trying to make fun of them. I mean, I was becoming somebody that I didn't even know anymore, and my life was completely out of control. And the harder I gripped it, the tighter I tried to grip that, the more it seemed to just spiral. Out of control. And then I began to realize this, this was the emotion that I had been feeling, and I didn't, couldn't put words to it. But this is what I'd really been feeling during this entire season where I was so tired. And I remember just feeling so tired, but it wasn't a tiredness that, like, you could sleep off. You couldn't rest off this tiredness. This was a, this was a fatigue and a tiredness that came with just being so um, uh, just being so um, ang- anxious in my heart that I, I actually felt, it was like soul tiredness. And I began to just say out loud to God, I just began to say, God, I am I am so tired. I am so tired, God. I, I, I am so tired. I just repeated that over and over again. I looked over on my desk and in through the, um, the blue and the red uh, flashing lights, I, I saw my Bible sitting on my desk. Actually, this exact Bible. And I... Uh, I grabbed it, and I I set it on the floor. And um, this is not a a lesson on how to study the Bible. This is not how God doesn't speak all the time this way. This is not how you do Bible study. But, um, But God spoke to me very loudly in a moment when I was at my most desperate hour. And I believe that maybe for a second, maybe even this morning, God's going to speak to some of you, maybe in the same way that he did for me in that moment, that he's going to speak to you right now in this moment through his words. And I just opened my Bible, and the first thing my eyes locked onto were these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I I believe this. I believe that this week, uh, God's going to speak very loudly to you. I believe that. We are going to lean in together and he's going to say stuff. But I believe that in those moments you're going to be called to respond and there's going to be a part of you that is going to be crippled by a lie a fear. That saying yes to Jesus on the other side of that decision is some somehow this burden that i'm that i'm not going to be able to bear that on the other side of a decision to give up jesus to give up the keys to drive in an area of my life that on the other side of that decision is this burden that i won't be able to bear saying yes to jesus will mean that i will not be able to i can't do it it will be too difficult and this is, these are Jesus' words, not mine. That on the, on the other side of that decision, to give up control in your life, in an area of something, to give up control to Jesus is rest on the other side of that decision. And here's what that means. That does not mean life gets easier. It doesn't. It may, God, very often, it can mean that life as, as a whole may get heavier. But here's what he's saying. This is what he's saying, is that your soul finds rest. When you let Jesus lead, when you let his teachings be what drives you and what lead you your soul gets lighter your soul gets rest this is these are Jesus's words and so this is what I believe I believe every single one of you in here are so uniquely made to do some incredible things but it's gonna mean life is gonna be hard and challenging you are so wired for for to do whatever it is God's called you to do life is heavy enough and your soul needs rest to get through it soul rest gives you the kind of power to say that i rejoice in suffering soul rest is the kind of power that gives you the the ability to say everything else compared to knowing jesus is rubbish soul rest gives you the power to forgive people who are completely unforgivable soul rest allows you to love people that you can't love, that no one in the world can love and do things that no one can do that is what jesus is saying here that his teaching and saying yes to him and no to you will only bring about soul rest your life as a whole may get heavy, but your soul gets light. And you can do anything when your soul is light and full of Jesus's teaching and himself. You can take anything in this world when your soul is light. Tonight, we're going to talk about hearing God's voice. That is all we're going to talk about. How do I know what God's will is for me? How do I know what who I'm gonna marry, how do I know, how do I navigate those big decisions? You guys are on the precipice of big decisions. You're in the middle of them. You got big decisions to make, what you're gonna do, where you're gonna head, what your next step is. They seem big to you, and you're going, God, I've gotta hear you on this. I gotta know what you're saying. Can you just text me? Like I I really gotta know what it is you want me to do. And that's what we're gonna talk about tonight, but here's the thing, he's gonna answer? Question, are you gonna say yes? And I believe that in those moments, you're going to be filled with a lie that says, if you say yes, you can't bear the weight of it. And that's a lie. Jesus promises rest for your soul. On the other side of a decision to follow Jesus is rest. I believe if we're doing it right this week, if, if we're really leaning into the teachings of Jesus, and we're saying yes to them. You should. Your soul should be so much lighter by the end of this week. And if you're here right now and you're going, my my heart feels heavy. Something's heavy in my life, and I don't know what it is, but it's heavy, and sleep isn't working. I, I want to say just that. Just. Let's let's do this together. Come tonight. Let's just pack out that chapel, push the walls aside. Let's pack this place out. And let's together just get lighter. Let's just do that. If we're doing it right, you should leave that room lighter than when you came in. And every time you say yes to whatever you decided and whatever you heard, God speak to you. you, your soul should be getting lighter, and you can handle anything. Because just like a heavy heart weighs you all down, a light soul enables you to do anything. Jesus is not just savior, he is and Lord and as you let him be lord he saves you lord and savior let's pray jesus i just i just pray for everybody in here lord who is um maybe just caught off guard a little bit by uh your voice in their life. Um, God, I pray that they would have that extra dose of supernatural peace that you just bring in those moments. God, even right now, just descend upon them with just peace. God, that, that, that saying yes to you means rest in the, in the places in their life where they need it most. So God, I pray that you would just get very loud with your love right now, that that would be the loudest thing. And God, that I pray you would give an extra dose of courage to all of us this week to say yes to leaning in this week to your voice. And may we all just leave this place lighter than when we came in. We lift all this up in your holy name, in your powerful name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you all. I'll see you guys tonight.